So we are establishing here a foundation that total life prosperity is the will of God. We've got three foundational scriptures that we're using. Third John 2 that says, beloved above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Put this in the comments. God wants me to prosper. God wants me to prosper. I love it, babe. They're remembering last week. TLP is the will of God. It is. TLP is the will of God. God wants me to prosper. But he says he wants me to prosper and he wants me to be in health. But the condition is my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect and my imagination. It is the reason that one of our favorite scriptures is Romans 12 and 2 that says we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does a believer renew their mind? The word of God. We must give the word of God first place in our lives, right? The second foundational scripture that we used was John 10 and 10. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So not only does God want you to have total life prosperity, he wants you to have an abundant life, an abundance of peace, an abundance of wisdom, an abundance of health, an abundance of healthy relationships, an abundance of financial resources, right? He wants you to do that, right? Then third John, then our third scripture was Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. So what have we established here? It is the will of God for us to prosper. But let's add this. We don't know the way. We don't know the way. We don't know the plans that God has for us. We don't know. We don't know in our flesh how to do what God wants to do which is why it's our responsibility, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, not just to quote scriptures, but once we know something is the will of God, we must participate, mm -hmm. right? So we spent the last two weeks going over these eight points, and today we're going to come back and deep dive into two of them, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. you want to recap the points? Yeah, and so if you remember, and if you don't, you go back and listen to the last two weeks, but we really kind of talked about these in, in groups. We talked about the first four and the second four, but today, as Pastor Sean said, we're going to talk about the first two, which was desire and to decide or to make a decision, right? Uh, and then the next, th and then and then we'll come back later and do some deep dives into the other six, which happened to be, and, and this is on the screen, but those of you who are here, you are, you remember this. We talked about you have to declare, you have to dedicate, you have to have discipline, and then you need to develop a total life prosperity learning environment, right? And then after you've done that, you got to do the work and then you cannot give up, you cannot cave in or quit. But again, this morning, we're going to do a deep dive into the first two, which is desire and decide. Amen. Are you excited about this series, right? So listen, we talked about desire and we use Psalms 37 and 4 as our scripture, right? It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, mm -hmm. right? And so we really talked about how important it is for us to understand that this scripture is not a black card to get whatever you want. This scripture is about becoming pliable to God 
so that your desires and his desires match. This scripture is about alignment. It is saying if you will align yourself in the Lord, he will give you the things that we talked about in Jeremiah 29 and 11, John 10 and 10, and 3 John 2. This life he has for you, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires, right? And those desires are not things that we just come up with on our own. Mm -hmm. Literally before we were born, those desires have been placed in our heart. What happens is through the fall of man and through sin, those desires get polluted and we don't know what they are. It's why you say in our flesh, we don't know the way to total life prosperity. But in God, we get to find out that pathway because when we delight ourselves in him, then we are literally putting our heart back in the place where it came from. That's good. He then begins to show us the way to how to pull out those desires. So the first, one of the one of the things we talk about when we talk about desire, which is why we group desire and deciding together, is because I have to decide I want what God wants for me, and I don't want what God doesn't want for me. So, so that good. way, when I am being led, I'm not being, as the Bible says, led away by the lust of my own what flesh what i'm doing is i'm being led by the heart that god gave me so it's really think of and you think about it when we talk about these eight ingredients it's a lot like making a cake you need all of the ingredients to make a cake right but it is important how they're put in the cake in order for the cake to come out right and so one of the first things you have to do is you have to have a desire and this word desire here is about does not not just it's not you got to have a desire to be rich you got to have a desire to have a new house, to have a new car. Your desires got to be, I have a desire that my heart matches what God wants for me. Mm-hmm. That's the desire we're talking about. We have to, in order to do that, we talked last, I guess it was two weeks ago, we talked about, okay, I have to then make myself pliable. God doesn't come in and make me pliable. See, we have some responsibility. I have to make myself soft. I have to become Play-Doh in God's hands. So he can mold me into whatever he wants me to be. And and that takes some humbleness because God created us to be free moral agents. And so as a result, I can choose not to be pliable. I can choose not to be soft. I can choose not to have a tender heart toward God. And even though he desires for me to have all those things, he won't just make me have them. So I have to have a desire to make myself soft to God. And I make myself soft to God by continual obedience. The more I obey, the more pliable I become. I feel like, you know, I was saying to you that one of the reasons that I think this scripture is so, I mean, this series is so important and this particular scripture is so important is because I feel that there are a lot of believers that because they have accepted Jesus they feel that because they want something, God wants it too. And, but Jeremiah 17, it tells us that we have to be careful about trusting our flesh. And then there's another scripture that tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? And when our flesh gets a hold of something and it decides that it wants something, right? If we're not careful, if we have not made a decision to be pliable to God, we will literally use the desires of our flesh and what we know about scripture to attempt to manipulate God into doing our will. We will, you know, it's like uh, we say all the time, you know, that 
God may have promised you a new job, but did he promise you that job? Mm -hmm. And so what somebody does is they decide they want that job. And because they want that job, they're making confessions about that job. They're making confessions about that thing. And then when it doesn't happen or when they get it as a product of their flesh and it doesn't look like what God said, they're salty and they're offended and they're disappointed. But just because I can produce something in human will does not mean it was God's will. God knows us so intimately that yes. he literally had to design our bodies to stop eating or our flesh would literally cause us to eat ourselves to death. We would just consume and consume. If God had not placed that thing in our brain, he knew that about our flesh. Our flesh is insatiable. And here's the problem. Whatever you desire outside of God's will, if you get it, it's not enough. Mm. And so here's, here, here, and here's what it looks like. Here's God's will on this side. Here's what I desire on this side. I'm in the middle, right? If I'm, if I'm in the middle of these two things, if I'm in the middle, here I, here's what God desires for me. Here's what I want for me. If I go after this thing that's away from God's will and I get it, it's not enough. So now I have to go further and it's not enough. And then I have to go further. And before I know it, the thing I started chasing after, even though I'm getting it, it's not satisfying me because it's gotten of my flesh. My flesh is, is, is insatiable. It cannot never be satisfied. So before you know it, I spent the last five years chasing after something that I thought I wanted. I never checked with God to see if that's what he wanted for me. And I got it. But now I'm five years removed from God and what God wants me to have. And I'm miserable, even though everybody else thinks that I should be happy. And that's what we see in so many people's lives. You look on the outside and you go, man, why aren't they happy? And I'm not trying to be funny, but you look at people who we consider to be very, very successful and they end up taking their life. And you go, why in the world would they take their life? They're rich. They got friends. They got family. They got all this stuff. But we don't know whether or not any of that was ever orchestrated by God or not for their life. The Bible says that God will give us. The, the Bible tells us that God will give us prosperity and he will give us riches and there will be no sorrow with him. So when we talk about TLP, when we talk about total life prosperity, we're talking about living a life of abundance with no sorrow. I don't mean no regret. I mean, no sorrow. That means I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going after and getting something and then being sad that I got it. That's why it's so important. We have, as you said, we have to ask, how did you say that the other week? You said we have to, we have to ask, we have to petition God from the place in our heart that's connected with him. And you may not say it just like that, but basically we have to, we have to petition God from the right place. We can't be asking God for things that's not aligned to what he wants for us. And I think that this is a good place for us to stop and have a Holy Ghost encounter. Ask the Holy Spirit, am I asking you for things that either aren't for me mm -hmm. or from the wrong intent? Because sometimes I want what God wants me to have, but I want it for the wrong reason. And, and, and so I want, for example, I want a relationship because I don't want to feel lonely and rejected, mm. right? The truth of it is, though, I say this to people all the time. No one can make you happy inside. Mm -hmm. That is God work.
And so I have watched people orchestrate to get themselves in relationship. Their pictures is cute. Their vacations is cute. And they are literally sucking the life out of each other because they are trying to get a person to fix them when Jesus is the only one who heals. Put that in the comments. Jesus is the only one who heals. So you think that because you finally get married, you think that because you finally have a baby, you think that because you finally get a dog that you're going to be happy, but you're trying to use something external to fix what God desired. That we are all created with a a. a, a a desire to know God, to be intimate with God, to have intimacy with God. And if we end up trying to put something in that space, not only do we make that something idolatry, but we give that something or that someone an impossible burden to feel. Mm -hmm. No one else can do that for you. No one else can do that for you, right? So when we're talking about desire here, we want to have proper desire, yes. right? So when I, when I desire pleasing Jesus over everything, that's going to put every other desire in proper place. Mm -hmm. So when my desire is intimacy with Jesus, when my desire is relationship with Jesus to honor him with my life, then there are going to be times that Jesus is going to say no. Holy Spirit is going to say no, but I don't fall out with Holy Spirit over that because my desire is to have relationship with God above all. And I said to you that when, when we were um, at the beach, I said that one of my concerns in the body of Christ is that there was a, um, you, you kept, you were mentioning Psalms 119. So I decided that while we were there, that I would just listen or read Psalms 119 every day. And in Psalms 119, verse 16, it says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I have this revelation sitting there that the truth of it is, is that many believers don't put the word in their heart so that they don't violate God. They put the word in their heart to get something from God. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because, I, and this is my own personal belief, okay. I can't have research for this, but I believe it is because of how people are introduced to the gospel. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is we tell people, come to God. He'll do this, this, and this for you. Come to the kingdom. It'll do this, this, and this for you. Do this and this and this and this a happen. So we we almost teach people mm. that they ought to they ought to come to God and His kingdom and for His word because of what it benefits them, mm. as opposed to come to the kingdom so that you don't be a person who disappoints God. Mm. And I think it's a really I think it's I think it's a mindset shift. It's really different. It's like if you tell if if, if you tell a kid you know. Always tell the truth because telling the truth honors your mom and dad. Or, or you say, always tell the truth so you don't get a whooping. Well, then th that's different because now what I'm trying to figure out is not to get a whooping. It's mm. not about truth. And I think mm. what, we're what we do is we invite people into the kingdom. We tell them to come to Jesus. We tell them to come to church. We tell them all these things and we tell them so that it can benefit them. But the desire ought to be for every believer 
to love the word so much because what they really want to do is to be able not to disappoint the person who paid a debt for them that they could never pay themselves. Bottom line, if we don't mention anything else, if we don't talk about anything else, anything else you could get out of it, it's about what can I do to honor the person who did something for me that I could have never done for myself. I could have never paid the price for this sin, but he did it. And because he did it, how can I honor him? Not about what can he give me next, but I think because we introduced the gospel that way, uh, people haven't had that mindset change to be like, yo, Psalms 119, 16, thy word have I hid in my heart. And I might not, not that I might get a new car. Ooh, not that I might get a new house. Not that I might get out of debt. Your word have I hidden in, in Edwin's heart so that I might not sin against you. I don't want to sin against that's you. That's it. And, and this is that's the, the desire. That's the desire. That's the desire. I don't want to sin against you. The desire for total life prosperity has nothing to do with material things. It has everything to do with how do I want to show up in front of the person who I can honor, who literally saved my life. And I think that we need, I think you're so right. Do y'all think Pastor Edwin is spot on on this? I think we need to realign this because I don't see a lot of believers that care if they sin against God. Right. I don't see a lot of believers that go, when I consider that Jesus died on the cross for me, how in the world could I live my own way? How in the world could I keep cussing people out? How in the world could I keep fornicating? How in the world could I look for scripture to justify disobeying God if I fully understood this price Jesus paid for me? Listen, and I've been walking with God for 31 years. And, and, what, I, and what I have, what I have 32 years, and what I have found out is, this has absolutely been a learning process for me because I wasn't introduced to the gospel in such a way about honoring God. It was like escaping hell. And then I heard the word of faith about how I could use my faith and I could use my faith to get right. I, I could get healed. I could get mm. well. I could get rich. And so it wasn't presented in such a way that, wait a minute. This gospel message is about me being able to honor the one who saved my life. That's what it's about. The rest of this stuff is, is ancillary. It's the stuff that Ooh, I get as true. a result of it. But at the end of the day, when we talk about total life prosperity and there being eight ingredients and the number one ingredient is desire, it's not your desire for prosperity. Pros it's your desire it's for your, him. It's your desire for him. For him. He is prosperity. He is prosperity. Come on, put that in the comments. Jesus is total life prosperity. Yep. Jesus is total life prosperity. And you know what? I feel like that this really, there are people in the comments are going, this is elite teaching. They're saying I've got new revelation. But I feel like that this is the thing that we have been trying to find language to give to people, right? When we're trying to use the examples about why we didn't go to Atlanta. Why you didn't take the job in Harlem, right? Exactly. It is that at the end of the day, and, and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm saying no, no, no. we don't want anything or anyone Jesus doesn't want us to have. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes means 
we have to crucify our flesh hard because yes. our flesh wants something hard. But when we don't have a church, a body, I don't mean FOC, when we don't have a body that believes we should honor our king, what we create is an environment that makes God a genie. And you think that God is obligated to give you what mm -hmm. you want. And you know what we're totally missing? Where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. Not I'm supposed to follow you wherever you want to mm -hmm. go and give you whatever it is that you want, right? But you take up your cross and follow me. You lay down your life. And, and here's the thing. We live in a time where this isn't the teaching people want to hear, right? But here's the question you need to ask yourself. Is my life laid down for him? Is my life laid down for him? Am I pliable to him? You know, when I first used to teach Live Your Dreams, I would teach all the way through Live Your Dreams and I would talk about everything God wants to do for you, right? And I would say, at the end, what if he asked you for it? What if everything that you can imagine ever having, he says, that's not what I want for you. Give me you instead. Could you do that and walk with him, right? And, and somebody was saying to me yesterday, that, you know, we need to fear God more. And I get reverential fear, right? But I will say this, that as we're walking with God, because I consider my relationship with you as a reflection, because that's what the Bible says of my relationship with Jesus, right? I'm not doing things. I am not doing things because I'm afraid of you. I am making choices because I love you. Even when we were on vacation, there were things we did for the other one that we didn't necessarily want to do because of love. We chose to do something when you drove me down that when you drove me down that street that I wanted. Huh? When you drove me there, right? You know, we do those things because we love we love each other, right? Is your love for God reflected in your daily decisions? And, and here's and here's I don't know how else to say it, but here's what happens. And you, you you're gonna have to get off of the hamster wheel of disobedience. Mm. And, and what I mean is is that when you give in to your flesh and 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 you allow your flesh to become the ruler of your life, even in one instance, what happens is it gets a taste and your flesh wants more of it. And then what happens is you end up becoming more and more and more disobedient. Mm. Every single one of us, every single one mm. of us on this broadcast can attest that there's been something in our life that we thought we wouldn't do. And we did it one time. And then we did it a second time and a third time, and a fourth time. Jesus. And every time we did it, watch this, it became easier to do. Mm. It's no difference with going after the thing you want, even if God doesn't want it for you. I have no doubt in my mind that had we made the decision to go to Atlanta when we heard God clearly say, don't go, it wouldn't have been the first major thing we would be disobeying God on right now. We would have disobeyed him about that, We'd have found something else to disobey him. We'd have found something else to disobey him. And it gets bigger and bigger because your flesh is, is insatiable. It, it's, it's, 
and you guys know this is true, it's like somebody who uses drugs. What they take to get high the first time is not what they can take to get high the hundredth time. It's not what they can take to get high the 500th time. You need more and more and more and more in order to create the same feeling. That first time you disobey God, your flesh ain't looking for that no more. It's looking for something greater to even feel the same. And you have to be so careful not to allow yourself to go after things that are not God ordained because all they do is pull you further and further down the road to the next bigger thing you can disobey. Then, and, and eventually what the enemy wants to do is pull you so far away and get you so used to it that even when you desire to go back, you literally become the hap start having physiological responses in a negative way to obeying God. And the Ooh. only way you can do it is to detox. Some of you just got to detox on your disobedience. You have to start saying today, I'm going to obey God. I don't care what it makes me feel like. And it may make some of you feel really physically ill at first. But the more you obey, just like the more you disobey, it becomes easier and easier and easier. You just have to have the desire to do it. Man, that's so good. Let's detox disobedience. And we need to understand this. The enemy wants you to normalize disobedience so that he can do a couple of things. Mm -hmm. So that he can pull you further and further away from God to make it easier to attack you, right? And so he can make your hearing dull yeah. toward God because literally so all you can hear is your flesh. He wants to dull your hearing toward God. So all you hear is your own flesh. Oh, that's so good. What do y'all think about this? Right. So I need so and, and, and it's always interesting. The Lord hear what I'm about to say. The Lord will help us be pliable. He will not force us. He will not. He will help us be pliable. But he will not. Force the help us. to be pliable will be when he says, stop cussing. Don't drink that drink. Don't go over there with them. Don't pick up the phone. He will help you. But God is not in the business of slapping the phone out your hand at three o'clock in the morning. That is not what God is going to do. You have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. You have to present yourself and say, I've been cussing a long time. I've been fornicating a long time. I've been rebellious a long time. I've been in this relationship. I know you told me not to be in a long time and I choose to come out. And I love what Pastor Edwin says that just like you can have a physiological response to like, I had a strong response when we were ziplining. Okay. I had a strong response. When your flesh realizes you're not going to give in, your flesh will act the fool. You're going to act like a child. It your will flesh will act the fool. Sure will. Listen, this is a funny story. Some of y'all coaching people go laugh at me. But growing up, we didn't fast in my church. And growing up, I don't know why. I feel like somebody told me this. Maybe they didn't. But growing up, I believe that if you fasted for 24 hours, you that you was going to die. This is the truth. Like, like physically die. Like physically die. That you was going to die. If you didn't eat food for 24 hours, you was going to die. Whatever. So, Pastor Ellen will tell you that when I first started fasting, I had a really strong hold toward fasting. Y'all, this is the truth. Probably five times I got to like 23 hours and 50 minutes and I would eat. Now, you like you almost there. But the but my flesh was so strong in that area 
that I would sabotage myself, right? And so then it got to the point that I could fast for three days, whatever. Then I got to be a faster. But one of the things that would happen is that the enemy so hated that I fasted that on the second day of my fast, my knee would stop working. Mm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. My right knee would stop working. I would not be able, like literally, it wouldn't be it. And then I remember one day I was like, I promise I won't eat for the next 21 days, but you're not going to keep punking me like right, this. Right. You're not going to keep punking me like this. Right. And I, and I broke through that. So I'm saying to you, I really do understand probably more than a lot of people what it feels like when you choose to obey God, when you choose to go all in, how the enemy fights you within yourself. It's not even the external fight. It's the fight within yourself. And the reason that the enemy is so strong within yourself is that you have practiced giving in when the enemy wants you to give in. When you practice, here's a great example, guys. If every time your flesh wants something to eat, you let your flesh eat whatever it is, you have conditioned your flesh to rule you. Yeah. So whether you're trying to fast, whether you're trying not to curse people out, whether you're trying to read your Bible, your flesh has dominance over you. And that is why a lot of times when we try to fast, when we try to read our Bible, when we try to do the right thing, it feels like warfare the entire time. And it feels like warfare the entire time because in your everyday life, you let your flesh boss you. Yeah. So who's detoxing from disobedience? Who, who has some areas of your life that you're like, I know God has spoken to me about this. I know it's scriptural that I should not be doing this. I know I feel like it's this real strong thing about cussing. Somebody is out here doing a lot of cussing and the Lord has been talking to you about how much you curse, that you just let anything come up out of your heart and out of your mouth, right? And so let's detox disobedience because that is how we become pliable to God. Every single time that we have an opportunity to go our own way and we go God's way, we are training our flesh that we submit to God, right? So then we said, in order to develop this desire, you got to decide. Mm -hmm. That's what I just asked you to do. Yeah. I asked you to make a decision to detox from disobedience. I asked you to make a decision to detox. Jeremiah, um, Joshua 24 and 15, it says, choose you this day mm -hmm. who you will serve. Mm -hmm. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, champions. Who will you serve? Yep. Who will you serve? Are you going to keep serving your flesh? Are you going to keep serving um, your desires? Are you going to keep building things that God doesn't want you to build? Are you going to keep pursuing careers and people God told you not to be with? Who are you going to serve? It says, choose ye this day. And this is the reason that when people say, Lord, help me to choose. No, he says, you got to choose. You choose, the help comes, not he forces you to choose, right? Once we know the will of God, we got to make a choice to either serve him or disobey him. There is no middle ground. Right. I am either obeying God or I'm not. And I think you said this last week that we need to establish that if it's not God, it's not good. Yep. 
If it's not God, it's not good. I don't care who thinks it's popular. I don't care what mentor tells you to do it. I don't care what friend tells you to do it. You need to make a decision that if it is not God, it is not good. And for a lot of believers, this seems like an extreme position, but this is the extreme position we should take. Well, and it's and I love how you actually said that. You said, once I know the will of God, you know, it's one thing to be unsure and to make a decision based on the best information you have available and then to realize maybe it wasn't the best decision and then to redo it. But there are times in our lives where we know what God has said, that it's, 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 it's clearly written in his word or he has clearly spoken it to us individually. And we know what the will of God is. I go back to that example of what I probably call one of the one of the one of one of the jobs that I thought would have been a perfect job, but I knew God. I knew God said that's not your job. He not even just said that's not your job. He said don't go to New York. That's not your job. Do not take that job. And I didn't say that to the people because I just you know I just didn't say God said. I just said hey I won't be taking it. Blah blah blah. They came back with an even better offer. And I still had to say no, because I knew the will of God. I was free to take that job. Mm. I, I was free to take that job. God never came down and blocked me. He never blocked me. He didn't tell the, He didn't turn the heart of the people and say, don't offer him the job. He didn't do that. What he said is, I'm telling you, that's not your job. I'm telling you not to go. Now, the rest is up to me. And I think what people think is that because the rest is up to them, that it's really up to them. But, hey, one, but, one, come on. but once God has spoken, it's not up to you anymore. So when God said, don't take the job, don't go to New York, then for me, I had to make the decision to obey him because if I didn't, I was not free to make the choice to, to receive the consequences of that choice. I don't know what the consequences would have been. I didn't want to find out. Anytime I read my Bible and I see God tell people something and they do the opposite, it never turned out good. It never ends well. It never ends it well. Never ends so I well. did consider myself to be exceptional that I could be the one to disobey God and have it end well. So if God said New York ain't for you, then guess what? New York wasn't for me. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that one of the deceptions of the enemy towards people is that they believe their disobedience is the exception? Do you think that people think, oh, I'm not going to get those consequences? I, I, I don't know if they don't think they're not going to get those consequences or if they think I'll be able to handle whatever comes my way. Mm. Either one, it's an arrogant position to take. It's very prideful. It's an arrogant, prideful position to take that I'm going to disobey the person I consider to be the ruler of the universe. I mean, you just, just put it in language you can understand. I am going to disobey the ruler of all universes that I know of and do it my way and then also get to determine the consequence for doing it. It's ludicrous. And, 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 and that's why we say oftentimes when people are oppressed or possessed, there is a spirit of stupidity on their life because it makes you do dumb stuff. It's dumb to read the Bible. Listen, the Bible says that, that God said to the people, he said, hey, you need to pick me or, or pick this other God. All of y'all that pick me, come on this side. All of y'all that pick the other God, go on that side. And they said after they had divided out, 
The people over here were serving God and the people over here were serving the other God. Then a hole opened up and swallowed them full. Just took them all down and closed back up. There were still people over here who later on didn't choose God. How many times have we chose God? Somebody else didn't. We saw the consequences they got. And then later on down the road, we didn't choose God. It's a spirit of stupid. And I refuse to be controlled by the spirit of stupid. So I'm going to obey God. I just, everybody just <laughs> renounced the spirit of stupid right now in Jesus' that name. Can't said it. They can't see past their own desires. And when you can't see past your own desire, it makes you do stupid stuff. You know, and we have been in ministry long enough that we have watched so many people who started strong destroy their lives with disobedience. Because they couldn't see beyond their own desire. They could not That's see beyond was. their own desires, right? So when we decide, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16, it says, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you to love your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase. When? Then, after. After what? After you keep his law, after, after you, you love him. After you love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. Keep his commands. Keep his commandments. And, and his I, decrees and his law. And let me say this, because people try to act like the God of the New Testament is not the God of the Old Testament. But the message is the same. In the Old Testament, he told them this. In the New Testament, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. And one of the conversations that you and I constantly wrestle with is that if something in the natural, I want y'all to hear this, in the natural. If right now y'all found out that I have been cheating on Pastor Elwin for the past 29 years, every year, y'all would say, Pastor, she don't love you. Yeah. Pastor, you don't have to stay and put up with that. Pastor, it don't make sense that you would sit over there and be with somebody who keep on doing you like that. Tell me how we can see it in a relationship, but we cannot see it when it comes to God. Wow. Jesus literally says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So here is what we're doing. We're saying, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Mm -hmm. I love Jesus, but I don't care that people see me turn up. I love Jesus, but I sex with people I ain't married to. I love Jesus and I do all of this stuff. And I'm offended that you told me I don't love Jesus when your fruit told us you don't love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Your fruit told us you don't mm -hmm. love Jesus. And I need you to hear me. Just because you love church don't mean you love Jesus. Mm -mm. Just because you love praise and worship music, just because you love the gathering of the saints together doesn't mean you love Jesus. If in the natural you can see what love looks like between a man and a woman, you can see what love looks like between you and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Your fruit always tells the truth. Your fruit always tells the truth. And you can get as offended as you want to about that. But Jesus says that an unrighteous tree, a wicked tree does not produce good fruit. And a good tree does not produce wicked fruit. So does that mean we don't make mistakes? That's not what that no. means. But there is a grave difference between making a mistake and laying down in sin and doing what you want to do. Amen.
Amen. So we got to decide. So we want to look at these two scriptures and, you know, we'll, we'll, are y'all getting something out of this today? You know, I even, I, I love this in Deuteronomy. He's because he, he says, then you okay. will live and increase. Mm -hmm. Right. And then notice what he says. He says, and the Lord, your God will bless you. So we know that the increase ain't even the blessing. The he said, when you do all of these things, the byproduct of doing those things just cause you to increase. He said, and while you're increasing, then I'm going to put an empowerment on you in the land that you're in. He says, and, and, and as you go in and possess it, I'm going to empower you to do it. But but literally increase, increase comes as a result of following, of loving God, walking in his obedience and, 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 and then keeping his commandments, his decrees and his laws. He says increase is going to come. You're going to live. And that word live that goes back to what you read in John 10 and 10, the abundant kind of life. You're going to live an abundant life and increase. And while you're doing that, I'm going to keep empowering you for every new endeavor you encounter. So why would you not want to obey God? So what I hear you saying is that the byproduct of walking with God is increased. It is. It's just the, I don't have to chase stuff because if I walk with him, the Bible, to, I think it's in Isaiah, it says the blessing will overtake mm -hmm. you. That when I walk with God, the blessing just overtakes me. The increase overtakes me. And let me tell you one of the deceptions of the enemy. When God asks you to obey, the enemy will always try to position it as a loss. Mm -hmm. You got to, the Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Yep. So anytime God asks you to obey, it is going to look like you are losing to obey God. But that's why the Bible says we don't walk by sight. Mm. We walk by faith. Mm -hmm. Whenever God tell, I, I, and I'll give you a great example because everybody know I used to be real strong on clapback. When the Lord told me to stop clapping back, to stop arguing, to stop going off on people, it felt like a loss every single time. Because yeah, it made you feel weak. It made me feel weak. Yep. It made me feel, it made me feel like people were going to take advantage of me. Yep. It made me look like I was losing. But on the other side of it, I realized that God was teaching me how to how to how to keep my dignity and my honor and that he would take care of what troubled me. Mm -hmm. I have learned that I cannot take care of anything that is troubling me like the Lord can. Nope. I cannot take care of any problem that I have like the Lord can. Mm -hmm. And when I do it his way, then he is working it for my good. And my response, come on, Trinika, what is it that First Thessalonians said? It is a righteous thing for God to trouble my trouble. And I want you guys to hear this. Many of you have not seen God trouble your trouble because you practice disobedience. Because you keep trying to take care of Because you family. keep trying to take care of the trouble yourself. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen him trouble your money trouble because you keep stealing the tithe. Yep. You haven't seen him trouble your people trouble because you keep clapping back. You haven't seen him trouble your relationship trouble because you keep staying in offense and unforgiveness. But I'm telling you, one of the words that God, that Pastor Elwin gave us was about reformation and recompense. And there is a recompense coming to the people who will surrender to God and let God do it his way. Amen. Amen. Now let's talk about this because we want to talk about this loop right here. We almost done, but we want to talk about this. Let's look at, jo you want to do Joshua 1? You can just read it. You go ahead. Okay, let's do Joshua 1. We're going to read several scriptures. 
because this is what we do when we talk about creating this decision desire loop that we're talking about. In Joshua 1, starting with verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving you. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land to the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. This is talking about desire and decision. Understand this. Joshua was Moses' (coughs) second man. Joshua always assumed that Moses was going to lead the children into the promised land. And God comes to him and says, Moses is dead. How many of us are still trying to get God to follow a plan that's dead? Mm -hmm. Moses is dead. This boy has grown up in the wilderness. He is he he leading a battle when they holding up Moses' arms. He always thinks he's going to be the second man, and God comes to him and says, "Moses is dead. You can stop crying over that because that season is over." There, this reminds us that there are going to be times that we are following God, but we do not know the full plan. So when he shifts, we shift too. Say that. When God shifts, I shift too. Mm -hmm. What has died that you keep holding on to? It may be dead, but God's plan is still alive. Mm. God promises to protect and provide for us when we go the way he sends us and when we do things the way he says. I'm going to say that again. God promises to protect and provide for us when we go where he sends us and when we do things the way he says. Many times we are trying to go, but we are still trying to go our own way. Mm This is not the time to just go. This is the time to follow his path. Mm-hmm. He gives he gives Joshua these instructions. He says, God instructs Joshua to build his courage by focusing on what 
he said. Yes. Many of us are not courageous because we keep focusing on something other than what God said. Mm. We have a guiding word. The guiding word says, do not be afraid no matter what you hear the next six months. Mm -hmm. So my meditation must be not on what I'm hearing the next six months, but on what God said to me Mm -hmm. about these six months. What God said to me is that if I do it his way, I will live in ease even when it's crazy around me. If I am not experiencing ease, it is because I have abandoned my courage because I am focusing on something other than what God said. That's right. That's right. I am focused on something other than what God said. I'm allowing what somebody else said to keep me from applying for the job. I am allowing what somebody else said to keep me from changing my diet. I am allowing something other than what God said to have the number one viewpoint in my life. And I think that is the reason that we say all the time that once you have heard from God, you confer no longer with flesh and blood, not even your own flesh. Not even your own flesh. Because the goal is for us to be able to meditate. That means to to mutter over and over and over the instructions that he gave us. He told Joshua, meditate on these things, what? Day Day and and night. night. In other words, don't allow opportunity or time for something contradictory to what I've told you to become real in your life. And how many times do we do that? We Because we're walking by sight rather than faith, we allow what we see, we allow what we hear, we allow what we can touch, we allow what we can what we can uh, interact with, so that we allow our five senses to become the most real thing for us other than our faith. And we're not walking by faith. And we're not we walking by faith. And the, and the reason we get out of faith is because we don't spend time meditating day and night on what his word says. Because we know that the will of God begins where? Where the, the will, will of God, God is known. Once I know the will of God, I do not <laughs> confer any longer with flesh and blood. That means I just keep meditating and muttering on what God has said. So it becomes so big in my life that anything contradictory that comes is so small in comparison. Do y'all see this? Do you see this? I was thinking about this. Yanika called me the other day and she said, I want to remind you that you told me when you started doing events that the Lord told you to have events in Fayetteville and he would bring people from all over the nation. She said, and I remember thinking there is no way in the world that people are going to come to Fayetteville, Arkansas. It would be better for you if you went to Orlando. It would be better for you. And she said, I called to tell you I was wrong. Mm. I have watched people come from all over this nation to a city they didn't even know about before they met you. Now, the truth of it is, could I have had a measure of success somewhere else? Sure, but it's not what God wanted to do. Guys, When God tells you something, stop entertaining anything else. But it it also is what do you define as success? Mm. So when you say, could I have a measure of success? I would say no. You couldn't have had a measure of success unless you use success as being opposite of obeying God. Mm. And the problem with many people is that's what happens. As long as we think we can see something good, Mm. we say it's successful. Mm. But did God say do it that way? If God didn't say do it that way and you went to Orlando and had a million people, it's still a failure. Ooh. 
And until we get Ooh. that mindset in all of us, in all of us, myself included, until we start seeing it that way, we always open a door for the enemy to talk us into doing something different <laughs> than what God said. That's if good. you went to Orlando with a million people, it's an epic fail. But if you did it in Fayetteville with 12 people, it's an utter success because God judges it based on our obedience. Not how many people show up. Should we clap now? Should we? What do you, but no, that's so good, right? And that is the reminder. It's, it's what he had to teach me about our church. Because could I have went somewhere else? Could I have changed our, listen, and I've said this before publicly, so I'll say it again. We could change our teaching methodology. We don't have to come and, and teach the way we teach like this. We could come and really focus on just having a really powerful singing ministry with a 20 minute, two, three points, really, really do things kind of jazzy with a bunch of lights and those things and probably pack this place out if we went to another city. But that is not what God said, though. God said, I've called you to a teaching ministry. And he said, if you do it, that he said, if you do it my way, he said, there will come a time where people will be standing in line to get what you have because they will no longer be able to subsist off of the milk they've been drinking. So I just keep doing it God's way. And now, look, we literally have people from all over the world. I, I asked you the other day when we was when we was flying to uh when we was flying to our to the beach front. I said, "Do you know this person?" Because I assumed you knew him, and you was like, "I don't know them." And it was somebody who had sent this long message about how we had changed their life. God said, that, "That's what happens when we choose to obey Him and do it His way." So I just say to whoever's out there, don't allow yourself to do something different in a different way because you think you can get a different result because maybe you can, but it's still going to be a failure if it's not the way God told you to do it. Do what God told you to do and learn to be happy with that. That what that's what true total life prosperity is about. Man, I love it. In the studio, they said, Ooh, our flesh got us out here calling failure success. Yep. My God. It does. We would man, I'm so glad you pointed that out because that would only be success in the world, in the system, world system, which in the kingdom would be failure. Utter now, failure. Now let me give y'all a great example. When Jesus walked the earth, mm -hmm. they wanted to make Jesus king. Yep. And if Jesus had become king, the world would have considered yep. it a failure. I mean, success and the kingdom would have called yep. it failure. Are you living your life trying to get the world's success while the kingdom says you're a failure? It reminds me of a TikTok I saw the other day. A TikTok, it was this guy who um, was showing people going to heaven and they were saved and they were in heaven, right? And when the guy got, to, the first guy got to heaven, the Lord said to him, where is the 32,000 people that I assigned for you to win to the Lord, mm. right? And he was like, what do you mean, Lord? He said, I spent my life as a, fine, uh, as a banker, right? He says, yes, but I called you to be a pastor and there were 32,000 souls attached to you right? They then switch it and another guy comes in and he says to him, where is the 150 something souls that I called you to? And he said, Lord, I was a pastor all my life. He said, but you were supposed to build a business with these three other guys that was going to fund the gospel all over the world. And at the end of it, the person was saying, if we're not careful, we will measure success in a way different than heaven does. Yeah. And all of these people will be clapping for us and heaven will be 
Yes, you're coming to heaven, but I'm not pleased with how you live mm -hmm. your life. That is not what I told you to do. And that is why we've got to tune our hearing in because just because people are clapping does not mean God is pleased. Yep. All right, we're going to get into Psalms 1, um, Psalms 1, verses 1, 1 through 2, and we're going to wrap this up. You want to read this? You go ahead. You got, you got me doing, read, reader. Amen. <laughs> it says, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, and the teachings of God. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. And then he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to do to keep our decisions and desires aligned with God? Number one, we do not follow the advice, plans, or counsel of the wicked. That's right. We do not follow the plans, the counsel, and the advice of the wicked. Who are the wicked? The wicked are those who have twisted good and evil. They mix God and the world together so they seem to be the same. They are crafty. Stay away from their advice. Mm. The wicked, the wicked are not just the evil people that you're clear that it's wrong. Wicked have twisted together good and evil. And I'm going to give you my best example I have of this. Two years ago when people were saying, I'm going after everything God has for me. That seems good, but it is a twisting of what God actually says. What God actually says is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and the things will be added. So when we hear somebody say, oh, it's the beginning of 2023. I'm going after everything God has because we hear the word God and we know God has things for us. It seems like God, but that is actually the counsel of the wicked because it has twisted scripture to get an outcome and an intent different than what God said. And what they're really saying is I'm going after the stuff. Let's just be honest. That's what they really mean. They say, I'm going, because if you want to go after everything God has for you, what God has for you is obedience. Well, well. <laughs> so the reality, what they're saying is I'm going after everything that I want. And I'm going to say, God want it for me. Oh. And, and that's really what they're saying. And that's why, it's, that's why it's wicked. That's why it's twisted. It has some semblance of truth, but it's rooted in the wrong, in the wrong fault. The Bible says to seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So that's what I should be going after, not the things. So really, they just want the stuff. They just want the stuff. They want the stuff. So he says, number one, we don't follow the advice, plans, and counsel of the wicked. Mm -hmm. One of the things you should ask God in prayer this week is where have I followed? Where am I following the advice, plans, and counsel of the wicked? Mm -hmm. Right? And I need you to hear me. 
Many of these will be people who seem very wise by the world standards. They will be people that the world is very impressed by. Is God impressed by what they're saying? Number two, we do not stand submissive and inactive in the path that sinners walk. Mm -hmm. Okay? Who are sinners? Sinners are those who either aren't saved or those who make a practice of disregarding God's commands to do their own thing. They will attempt to persuade you. They will attempt to persuade you that it's really not a big deal not to do it God's way. They'll actually try to shame you into doing things. They'll actually try to shame you for doing things God's way. They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, he doesn't take all that. Or you all, you being so heavenly mind. You're being, what is it? You're being so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. Uh, you're being so religious or, or, you know, all you, all you holy roller. They're, they're going to do things to try to intimidate you and shame you in, in, out of obeying God. That's what, that's what the sinners are. So we don't follow the advice of the wicked and we don't stand inactive in the path of the sinners. We don't sit. One of our steps is that we create a total life prosperity mm -hmm. environment, right? So once I know that you don't value obeying God, I don't spend time with you. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Once I know you do not value obeying God, I do not spend time with you. But now, they're my cousins. Once I know that you do not value obeying God, I do not spend time with you. But they're now, my friend who helped me in college. And once I know that you do not value obeying God, I do not spend time with you. But mama knew. And I don't spend time with you. And big mama said. And I don't spend time <laughs> with you. Once I know that you have no value for the things of God, <laughs> I do not spend time with you. I don't care how tight we've been. I don't care what you rescued me Come out of on. in the past. Come I don't on. care that we used to watch Come each other's on. kids. I am telling you, once <laughs> I know that you do not value obeying God, I do not spend time with you. And I want to deal with the religious spirit right Amen. there. It says Jesus spent time with sinners, but he didn't sin with them. That's right. Jesus spent and there, sinners changed as a result of being with Jesus. And so not that's the other way around. So that's how you know you ain't being like Jesus because you changing. They not. Right. You cussing now. You smoking a little bit now. You drinking a little bit now. That's how you know you're not doing what Jesus did. Don't confuse what Jesus did with just wanting to be accepted. Because Jesus didn't hang out with sinners. Jesus encountered sinners and then they were converted. That's a difference. He wasn't hanging out with them. Because y'all act like Jesus was at the strip club watching the prostitutes. <laughs> right. You know, I just want to be, I just want to, I want the people to feel like I'm relatable. No, you just carnal and wicked and mm -hmm. twisted and you need to get delivered. And they actually looking at you saying, oh, there's no value in you because you don't even believe what you say. Because you don't even believe what you say. You don't believe what you say because you tell me that you don't, you believe in being celibate, but I took you out to Ruth Chris two times and now you is laid up on your back. You don't believe what you say and you're wondering why I'm not interested in your God. You don't live like nothing. Mm -hmm. 
you say you don't believe in cussing till you get mad and then you cuss the people out and then you want to know why i won't stop cussing you want to know why i won't go to your church because at your work you steal time just like i do you don't live like you know him so why would i follow you well i'm just trying to love like jesus no you're living like a demon you're mm-hmm. not loving like jesus mm-hmm. all right three what's the third we do not relax and re and recreate with the scornful and the marker mm. that should be recreate not recreate my bad in the notes so we don't hang with we don't relax we don't take our guard down with the scornful and with the mockers who are the scornful and the mockers they are those who will either directly or indirectly put down or discredit what God is saying or put you down to make you think you don't qualify. I'm going to say that again. They are either going to directly or indirectly put down and discredit what God is saying, or they're going to put you down to make you think you don't qualify. It says don't relax in their presence because they will plant poison when your guards are down. Mm. Mm. So we don't, re- so if I, what's, what's an example for them to help them about planting poison? What's an example that when you, when you were typing that, what do you think? Okay. Here's the, uh, the best example I've told this before. We had a word that Jordan was going to talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. We had some well-meaning people mm-hmm. who didn't believe God was a healer, mm-hmm. right? They were people that it would be easy to break bread with, mm-hmm. right? But if we relax around them, then they're going to wiggle in something to discredit our faith. Mm -hmm. So when you are in a faith fight, what you have to do is you have to shore up your team. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. The more I hear what I'm about to tell you, the more I trust you, the more likely I am to relax Mm -hmm. in your presence. Mm -hmm. That is why I cannot afford to have people around me who are wicked, people who are sinners, and people who are scornful and mockers. Because the more I love you, the more I'm going to... Is this making sense to y'all? The more I love you, the more I'm going to relax in your Mm -hmm. presence. Mm -hmm. And when I relax in your presence, the enemy's going to use my trust of you to make me come against God. Mm -hmm. The enemy's going to you. It's the people that you closest to that try to talk to you about why it's okay to fornicate, yeah. why it don't matter if you curse, why it's okay if you do this. It's the people that you're close to. The truth of it is, is that if you're not close, go ahead. Those are the people you have to trade. No, we talking no, you about gotta trade them, baby. You got to trade, trade them. You got to trade them. You got yeah. to trade them. You got to send them down to the G League or or get them on another squad. You got to get or, them or, off or, your but squad. They cannot be on. They can't even be bench players. They can't even be people who are cheap. You just got to get them off your team. How many of you can see in your life where the enemy has used you to be one of these three or the enemy has used somebody in one of these spaces that you value? It's the reason that we are so adamant that like if you believe somebody has a word of God for your life, I mean this with all my heart, what you cannot do what you cannot do is you cannot talk to the people that God called me to walk with. You mm-hmm. cannot talk about them. 
You cannot talk about them. Whatever issue, I don't have no sidebar conversations about the people that God called to be on my team. Because I've, I've, I've been telling y'all this for a long time. The enemy plays the long game. I want you to understand what the enemy does. Well, because this was funny because when we first got married, you know, obviously I just came from a different denomination than you did, right? But at, at in your denomination, they were able to like vote pastors out. Like you could be there one and, and Sunday still do. And, and not. The church I grew up in, you couldn't vote no pastor out. And, and not that it was good, bad, indifferent, whatever, but we were taught a certain kind of reverence for our pastors, right? And 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 when we first got started dating or whatever. You, you didn't say anything bad, but you said something. I was like, whoa, hold on. Don't you don't you No, know, I did. I, I, but I was like, you don't talk about no, my pastor. I asked you why your pastor did. That's something. what I said. It wasn't bad. I did. You asked why, but Baby, was, the way you checked you didn't me. say anything bad, but you asked me a question about my pastor. And I was like, wait a minute. You don't you don't talk about my pastor. That I don't know who, I don't know what you're thinking or what y'all do over there, but over here, the person who's speaking to my life, you don't get to speak that way. And all you did was ask a question. And I think that sometimes people don't take that serious enough. But it's like I you you, you, you did explain it. To I me did though. explain, but you cannot talk about Pastor Tony to me, and why some people would allow other people to get around them and have conversations about the people. Did they say speaking to lay like listen? If you rock with Edwin and Sean, you shouldn't let somebody try to come and talk to you about Edwin and Sean. If you got a problem with Edwin and Sean, you should come, but you should never let some scorner or, or some mocker or some sinner or some wicked person come and try to plant seeds around you. That's why you got to be careful about who's on your team because you just said the more you are relaxed around, the, the more you trust and love them, the more you're going to be relaxed around them. And the more relaxed you are, the more um, loose lip they're going to get with you. And if you're not careful, then what? Then then you ain't been mad at us or offended or nothing. But now we have to correct you about something. And all that poison they've been giving you now bubbles to the top. Now you mad and you done left your sin voice. Now let me tell you what's dumb to me. And you may cut the mic after this, right? But it be the people who we done gave you money and you stupid enough to sit up in a room and let somebody talk about us. Like they not going to tell it. No, that's what be Come stupid to now. me. Like literally, <laughs> literally. I don't mean the church gave you money. I mean the strict, this, this ain't even on the notes. I mean the strict ones, the valleys, the Marlows, they actually helped you when you were in a situation and you are stupid enough to sit in a room and let somebody talk negative about us. You got to be 36,000 kind of ways of dumb to sit up in a space and, and, let, to, and let somebody listen. And, 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 and if you feel some I'm blue, wait, and I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. And if you feel some kind of way, I am talking to you. No, I want you to know I am talking to you. You got to be, it ain't no way in the world. I know for a fact the Marlowe's would give me their last dime. It ain't no way in the world I'm going to be sitting up in a place with somebody and they talking about uh, Ralph and April. Ralph and April, your mama, you better watch yourself up in here. And I'm telling <laughs> and you. you can have a legitimate issue, but you, if you don't go talk to you them about it, you, you can't better talk manage to me about it. it. You better manage right. it. And some of you don't even realize you've been offended in other places yeah. because you let somebody. You let a, a mock or Hold on. I'm going to do. I'm, Tierra, I'm going to use you. Tierra, I just wanted to talk to you 
Cause I just, I, I wanted to know, did you notice that Pastor Chris did X? I'm telling you, when somebody does something like that, you need to be like, devil, I see you. Mm -hmm. Get behind me. That's Call what Jesus, out. baby, that's what Jesus did to Peter. Did. When Peter said, you're not going to the cross, Jesus turned around and he said, Satan, get thee behind mm -hmm. me. But literally what you do is you are, and I, I'm saying it like I mean it, you are silly enough to allow offense planners That's right. to get mm -hmm. in with you and then have you over here looking stuck on stupid because most of the people who talking to you and planning that stuff wouldn't, ooh, they wouldn't spit on you if you was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't spit on you if you was on fire. But you silly enough ah. to sit up in a room and let somebody do that and they're hoping, because let me tell you what they do, because the spirit of offense is looking to see. So what the spirit of offense does is this right here, because I'm going to show y'all how it works. So the spirit of offense watches to see that I corrected Chandra about mm -hmm. something. It watches to see that I corrected Chandra. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, they ain't never been in Chandra. Hey, girl, you want to go to lunch? Mm -hmm. Hey, girl, you want to get some coffee? I just want to talk because I saw how Pastor Sean did. That just didn't seem right. It didn't seem right to me that she would do that to Satan, you. get thee behind Satan, me. Satan, get thee behind me. And here's what everybody needs to understand. Anybody you do life with and anybody you follow, you are not going to agree with everything nope. That they do. Nope. But you better have sense enough to say, if God has called me to this person and they're not practicing sin, my disagreement, I am not going to get caught up in some mess and get set. And I'm out. not going to allow offense to I'm be not. to be a badge that I constantly wear. Some people are so offended. It's like you move from one offense to the next offense to the next offense. You need to take the class about how to not be easily offended. Because the Bible says you're going to have many opportunities to be offended, but guess what it says in the next thing? Don't take them. Offenses are going to come. You're going to have an opportunity to be offended, but don't take it. So don't allow scornful and mockers and wicked people and, 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 and the, the sinners to be on your team. Don't allow them to be on your team. Now, some of you get some folks you need to trade. It's if some of y'all need to repent or you're going to get traded. No, no. What, come on, both <laughs> parts. There are some of you, there are some of you that you need to, there are some of you that you need to trade some people. And there are some of you that you need to repent. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean toward me and Pastor Elwin. I mean that literally, if you look back over your life, you have sat around and run your mouth and got caught up in mess that you didn't have any business commentating on. They should, you, you should, you, you, you have, you have, you, <laughs> you you've been a show enough starter. <laughs> no, you, you have, you just, you, and, and the truth of it is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, loyalty ought to mean something to you in the body of Christ. It should. It should mean something to you. The truth of it is, is that we've been walking with Pastor Tony and Pastor Cynthia over 20-something years. We have not understood everything that they have done. We have not agreed with everything that they have done. But what we're not about to be out here doing is speaking against them and talking about them, especially when their word is the reason that we even mm -hmm. still marry. And this is how, I'm telling you because the spirit of stupid, we never talked about the spirit of stupid, but today we're clearly talking about it. The spirit of stupid 
will literally have you get offended with the people who gave you your answer. Because the, jo the job of the enemy is to cut you off from your life source. That's what he wants to do. He wants to cut you off from your life source. Well, let's just end right Did here. Did you give him the last? You have to. You have to last. Well, you can give him that. I'm. I'm done talking about that. So, so here. So the last part of this teaching for today, as we talk about desire and decision or deciding, is here's what our job is. Number one, we have to meditate on the Word of God. You have to spend time meditating on the Word. It means you got to read it, but then you need to close the book. You need to spend some time pondering it. You need to think about it. The second thing you got to do is you got to practice speaking the word, right? When, when the enemy's trying to come and trying to convince you to do something outside of God's will, you have to open your mouth and say stuff like, I only obey God. I only obey God. It has silenced those voices in your head trying to get you to do something different. And then after you have spoken, I only obey God. And the third thing you need to do is to actually do the word. Do what God has instructed you to do. Do what the word tells you to do. And then the last thing, which we just spent a few minutes talking about, number four, you need to create a community. Get you a community of people in your life who are also as committed to doing numbers one through three as you are. Get you some folk who want to meditate on the word. Get you some folk who want to speak the word. Get you some folk who want to do the word and hang out with them. Because I can tell you for a fact, you can have a blast hanging out with people who love to do one through three. We just came from spending seven days with a group of people who we know are committed to doing one through three. And guess what? There was no drama. There were no issues. We had fun. We laughed. And guess what? We didn't forget who we served the whole time we were there. Talk about it. We did not forget who we were serving. And so it is possible, but you got to tame that team. How do you tame that team? Start by taming those thoughts. Right. Tame those thoughts. Tame that tongue. Tame what you're saying. Make sure you're not one of the scornfuls. Make sure you're not one of the mockers. Make sure you're not one of the sinners. Make sure you're not one of the wicked people that we were talking about doing the kind of things that they do. Make sure tame those thoughts and that tongue and then tame your heart, that desire. My desire is that I will hide your word in, in my, my heart. heart that I might not sin against you, Father. That's my desire. That's my first step toward living a life of TLP. And TLP is for me. And it's for you too. Total life prosperity begins with my desire not to dishonor the person who literally gave their life for me. And I do that. And I, after I tame my heart, then I tame my team. I tame those four things. I'm telling you, it puts me in a position to be around a community of people. That's the reason you got to be careful not to get offended and run away from the community that God's created for you. Because Great the enemy, enemy wants to separate you from your lifeline. Don't let the enemy do it. Don't let the enemy separate you from your lifeline. Total life prosperity is the will of God for your life. But it's not just about stuff. If this message has grown you up, go ahead and just put grow up. Hashtag grow up. If this message is really, really, because listen, you can't, you can't be champions with, with childlike mentality. And I love what Kim Sanford, she said, I, I don't know who connected her with us, but she said the Stricklands are solid, not perfect. And we would never, love it. we I would love never that. purport, That's exactly right. we would never purport to be, but I want to say this because I think Latanya said this. Latanya said, I trade people and they don't even know it. And I, I just want to give y'all this advice as your pastor. <laughs> I want to tell you this. If somebody is messy, I let them know why. I do not ghost them. 
I say I cannot hang with you because you run your mouth. I'll give you a great example. Years ago, we had a cleaning lady. Yep. And that cleaning lady came to my house one day and she talked about a local pastor. She yep. used to go to church there. I explained to her that my house was a blessed place and you could not talk about men and women of God in my house. I asked her not to do it. Yep. She came back the second she week. She was a good cleaning lady too. She was a good cleaning lady too. She came back the second week, still upset about the past. I explained to her again that in that house that the Lord had provided, you could not come up in that house. Now, this we didn't even know this pastor. Nope. We did not know them, but a principle is a principle is a principle. That third week she did it, I said, I'm going to let you go. She said, am I not doing a good job? I said, you're doing a great job, but you talk too much. And what you're not about to do is release a curse in my house because you come up in my house and spew poison about another pastor. And I fired her. Strick came home. I said, we got to get a new clean lady. She don't work here no more. It's like, what happened? what happened? I said, she kept talking about pastor so-and-so. She did it three weeks. Two weeks, I asked her not to. The third time, I asked her not to come back. You, I'm telling she you. She was such a good clean lady. I remember thinking, you couldn't give her like four or five chances, just three? I understood why you did it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to grow up and be willing to say to somebody, Chris, I don't hang with you because you run your mouth too much about the men and women of God and you always starting something. Chris, I don't hang with you because you live two different lives from when you live, when you go on vacation. You got to have enough confidence to say, I am sure what God says, but you and you may not like it, but you can't be around me running your mouth like that. The other thing it does when you tell them, it, it doesn't allow them to live out a lie that, that somehow you just you, the fault, it was your fault. Come on, come on. And see, I, I don't, I don't I, know. I, 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 that we 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 tell people you tell them for a different. I want you to know why I'm not going to be with you anymore because I don't want you to lie to yourself thinking that I was the issue. I wasn't the issue. You were. And so I tell you why you were the issue. Because you mess. Because you mess. Because you mess it. You talk too much. And so if you got the spirit of mess on your life right now, as we get ready to give our offering, if you got <laughs> the spirit of mess on your you life right morning. now, I want you to come to this virtual altar and get the spirit of mess off of you right now. Get rid of the spirit of mess. You may not be messy in Fellowship of Champion, but you messy in your family. Mm. You messy at your job. Mm. You messy in your friend group. Mm. If you got the spirit of mess on your life right now, you if, and if you, I wish you'd be bold enough that if you know you got the spirit of mess, that you say, Lord, the woman of God is talking to me, mm. and I got the spirit of mess on my life, and I call that out, and I'm not going to keep operating double-minded, in offense, keeping up mess, and I repent. And let me tell you this, the truth of it is, I ain't trying to offend you. Just hang on. We about to go. You may be offended. You may be messy because your mama messy because your grandma messy. You may your grandpa grandpa messy. You may have come from a long line of mess and so you don't know that mess is not normal. But you are being pricked in your heart right now that you have a spirit of messiness on. You always got to have a secret conversation. You always got to have a you want to know why somebody did something. You always got to pull somebody in the corner. If that's you, you need to get rid of it. And the truth of it is, is that if you really don't want to be free, you need to say that it's you so that people can hold Hold you accountable when they see you doing it. Especially in this season of reckoning, because you don't want to continue that mess and have to suffer the consequences and the repercussions of that mess. Now I just leave that like that. Amen. Well, listen, y'all know we got stuff this week. And if you want to rededicate your life, you know we got stuff this week. You know all the stuff we got this week. 
We try to help people grow up because we want you to get everything that God has for you. And we want you to miss everything the devil has for you. We want you to get everything God has and we want you to miss everything that God has for you. Miss everything the devil has for Mm -hmm. you. You got to grow up. I see y'all in there. I'm going to go. You know, I, I saw a comment. I, I didn't want to interrupt. It was a, while, a little while back. You don't, you don't have to put it on the screen. But somebody said, some somebody was like, "Wow, I didn't know total life prosperity was like this." Yes, when we talk about when we talk about total life prosperity, it ain't just you fixing to be the next in line to be a millionaire. We're talking about something that's going to carry over beyond just some money. Beyond just some money. Well, we love y'all so much. Come on, look, come on, y'all call that spirit a mess out. I want to in the spirit of messy I had. I'm telling you, sometimes I want y'all to hear this. There are some times that I want to comment on something, but I know my intent for commenting on it mm. is not right. Mm. So I'd be like, let me shut my mouth because mm. I know my intent is not right. Come on, Kev said, oh, strife stares. Because that's really <laughs> what it is. Yeah. A messy person is a strife starer. You keep up strife. Darius, we love you too. We thank y'all for hanging out with us. God bless everybody. You ought to share this with somebody. Come to all of the activities this week. Sow your seed and step. I love what Trina said. I repent for involving myself in this. Amen. Me too. I repent because sometimes it wasn't even your stuff and you got involved in Me it. Too, I, Trina. Repent, I repent. But I repent for getting yep. involved in some mess that mm-hmm. wasn't even my mess. Shabana said, let me shut my mouth. Let me, <laughs> yep. let me let me study, study to, to be, be quiet. <laughs> let me study to be quiet. All right. We love y'all. We love y'all too. And we'll see y'all at the activities this week. Sow your seed and let's live for Jesus this week. Remember, we're detoxing disobedience. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Amen. Bye bye.